Welcome back, everyone, once again to a new installment of Screen Theory Rewind. I'm Jeff. And my name is Max. <laughs> Boy, dude, that, how metal is that? My world is fire and blood. Uh, how metal is this fucking movie? Oh, my God. I died and went to Valhalla. <laughs> Shiny and chrome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think... Uh, so we bumped this recording session up a little bit to make sure we had two drops in December. So you're welcome, America. Bobby. <laughs> Bobby. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, he wasn't convinced he had a stroke before. He will be now. Yeah, well, what was his uh, comment? He's talking about how like we spent 20 fucking minutes talking about sports. Like, who the hell are we? Uh, he said the guys are talking about sports. Fuck, I struck out and must have died. Yeah, for sure, dude. Like... <laughs> How did we talk that long about sports? Uh, full disclosure, I am still sick after two rounds of antibiotics, so I will be. God damn, dude! I know, I know. I'll be, I'll be your blood bag. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you have to excuse the stuffiness and the uh, the voice. I can tell that my voice is not its normal self anyway, and like I don't know, I'm just constantly stuffy. Yeah, I've had azithromycin and one that I can't pronounce. And, I couldn't pronounce the first word you just said. <laughs> and I've had them both before. They're both fucking awesome. And I had Medrol with azithromycin on top of it. And yeah, I'm still, I'm still sick. Do you just have like your your really bad head cold still, or do you have something like specific? Uh, it's starting to feel a lot more like a sinus infection than it was before. Whack. Those are the worst. I feel like it started as a sinus infection, went to a head cold. And then now I can't decide if I'm getting a sinus infection, an ear infection, or both. That and now sucks. it's a goddamn superbug because I've had two rounds of antibiotics. Yeah. So yeah, it's great. But yeah, uh, how have you been, Jeff? I mean, we don't got to talk about any of that. That's fine. <laughs> <We don't laughs> what Just, was that? Uh, what was that? Uh, tweet you sent me from the Philbrook where it was the, the what the airing of, airing of grievances. So we yeah, said that was gonna be. <laughs> yeah, we got, we got some grievances to air. <laughs> yeah, so the universe is actively trying to uh, <laughs> kill me. Uh, I'm not gonna go into like super detail on this, but uh, you know we were in a car accident and uh, my car got totaled. So fortunately, it's the only thing that got totaled. Yeah, everything everyone was fine. Uh, so that's the important thing. Uh, but the crazy thing was four days later, we were at our local mall, uh, when there was an unfortunate shooting that happened and it's just like, what, it, it just, it, does, for that to happen in a four day span, it's just kind of crazy, but I, yeah, I that's insanity. Uh, yeah. The only silver lining in it was, it wasn't like an active shooter situation. It was an isolated incident. So, uh, you know, like. It could have been worse, but it, it's still unfortunate for that to happen, period. Uh, and it's a scary situation for everyone involved because you don't know uh, until after the fact if it's, you know, the first situation, like I talked about, or the second situation. So it's, yeah. a, scary, it's a scary thing, but fortunately, you know, like, we're okay. So. Just, but it was, just did stop for a going outside, Jeff. Yeah, I'll stop going outside. Uh, but it did inside. make for a fucking crazy week. Uh, <laughs> so, And what, what better to top off a crazy week than, <laughs> than a crazy-ass movie? Uh, fucking mad max fury road dude did aurora watch this with you she watched about half of it uh she <laughs> didn't watch like the first half of it but then like one instance about like halfway through the movie started to kind of like catch her eye and then she watched like the second half of what the movie, what drew her in i'm curious 
Uh, I, I think it was just, uh, I don't think it was anything super The flashing specific. lights? Because that's what gets me. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, uh, I, I think part of it was, uh, sh and she's in agreement with me, uh, the soundtrack. I think this has maybe my favorite top to bottom like soundtrack of any movie. Because this... the, the score of Mad Max Fury Road makes you want to go start a fucking bar fight. It's so good. Yeah, it's uh, the interesting thing about it in this movie, and we'll, we'll get into it when we get to the movie, is it's not a here's your, here's your movie here's your sound effects, here's your music. Like, the music is just as important a part... The music is a character in the movie, right? So it's just as important a part of it as Max or Furiosa. It's it, the, Some of the shit they sync up with the soundtrack in this movie. It's, it's so good. But it's also just, like, they... They need the soundtrack to be this good because there's so many moments of just silence and kind of just meandering around the desert. And because you know, the movie is just constantly it, they're constantly in motion and like the, the soundtrack really, really never lets up. Yeah. And the uh, the silence is deafening when we get to those scenes, too. Like it's noticeable. And do you also forget just how like astounding <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road is until you watch it again and, and you realize I, it's a fucking masterpiece? It's on one of those every movies. Level? Yeah, it's one of those movies that I always remembered as being really, really good. But then when I watch it, I had forgotten how good. You remember it being an amazing movie. You don't remember it being, holy shit, this might be one of the top 10 best movies of the past 20 years. It's yeah. perfect. Oh, and speaking of, this movie is almost 10 years old. Yeah, there was apparently, there was, oh, uh, Aurora had commented uh, to me basically saying it was the soundtrack and she liked the character of Nux a lot. He, N uh, yeah, Nux has Nux a heck of an cool. arc. Yeah. As does our boy Max. Yeah, he, uh, uh, we'll talk about it too. Uh, Mad Max not being the main character in Mad Max Fury Road was an interesting writing decision too, uh, because he's not really the protagonist, even though he's part of the title. Yeah, uh, he, he's supporting. He's, a, yeah, he's pretty much a supporting character, uh, which is an interesting take, uh, because he was always, his character is, uh, by the way, spoilers for Fury Road. I, I'm, I'm assuming what? everyone has fucking seen Fury Road. Uh, also, what is there really to spoil? Because <laughs> it's a car chase beginning to we're end. We're going to drive over there. Nah, fuck that place. Let's drive back. That's the plot. We're going like to drive that. east through the desert, and then we're going to turn around and drive west through the desert. Yep. Credits. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. Uh, also, there, uh, and you, you mentioned how it was almost uh, you know 10 years ago now. They've apparently been wanting to get a second like follow-up movie for a while now but it, it got delayed because of a pay dispute between george miller and warner brothers so that's why it took Jesus. so fucking long for yeah. Warner brothers to actually like you know yeah the interesting thing about this movie is it was supposed to be two movies filmed back to back just the mad max fury road and mad max furiosa and they're supposed to be filmed back to back together i i can't fuck have, have you watched that trailer yet for furiosa man it's I, don't, so I, don't, good. I don't need to I don't but need it's to. it's you don't need to, but it's fucking it's so fun. Like they, they don't really have any of the crazy action scenes spoiled either. It's just very very small snippets, and you get like a glimpse of Anya Taylor Joy's young Furiosa and like Chris. Hemsworth I was gonna ask you who uh... chewing uh chewing the fucking scenery. Chris Hemsworth is. It's amazing. Yeah, I was gonna ask you who was playing young Furiosa. Uh, Anya Taylor Joy is looks to be killing it 
in it. Uh, she has the same kind of intensity that Charlize Theron has in this. I think it's a good choice. And Chris Hemsworth, I, I can't wait for you to see like what his characterization is in it because he is batshit in pure Mad Max fashion. And it looks great. Like, yeah, it's very bad times at the El Royale, just like cranked yes. up to like batshit levels. So you're gonna you're gonna like it. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's get into the uh, the casting crew. I, I think uh, you you had mentioned Bobby's comment. That was our only comment and question, uh, right? To yes. Discuss. All right. If you have any future prompts or questions for Ronda myself about pretty much anything we'll, we'll bullshit about anything uh, oh, yeah. see the last 80 whatever episodes we've done of this show 86 is that right uh i don't know i don't do numbies man it's too late for numbies <laughs> i've had a long week <laughs> this is number 88 this is 88 nice this is 88 and uh, what, yeah you three can... years running also crazy they still haven't shut us down <laughs> uh, if you have any questions or prompts for Ron and myself, you can always email us screenplayrewind at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter with a message. Uh, it's at SPR Filmcast. Um, but the first thing that we have to talk about with this movie, has there ever been a director with a more insane career trajectory than George Miller? One of the things that delayed this movie was Happy Feet, his commitment to Happy Feet. His uh, three it. movies leading up to Mad Max Fury Road were Happy Feet, Happy Feet 2, and fucking Babe Pig in the City. <laughs> how did the guy how did the guy who did Babe Pig in the Pig in the City do Mad Max Fury Road, dude? Almost did Justice League. Yeah, that was the uh, Army Hammer one, right, that he was attached to for a really long time, right? Yeah. Yeah, they had that that I don't think there's ever been a movie in deeper fucking development hell than that Justice League movie. That movie was cursed. That movie was legitimately cursed. Yeah, this movie was described as being in development hell, but I don't think it went through anything that that Justice League movie did. Because um, this this movie is described as being in development hell because they they tried to start making it in 1987, and it took them until 2015 to do it. But yeah. um, the thing that I've always wanted to know. The guy doesn't use CG for any reason, almost. Yeah, those Happy Feet Dancing Penguins, all practical. It was, all it was, practical it was effects. In, and impeccable, impeccable <laughs> work. Well, like, just, it's crazy, just crazy. I don't know crazy how stuff. they taught those penguins to do that. But yeah. I always wanted to know how he planned to teach a man to fly and shoot lasers out of his eyes. That was <laughs> the thing I always wanted to know, George Miller. <laughs> screenplay rewind at gmail.com please write in and tell me george Miller. i just got a mental image of the penguins and happy feet on the like giant pole things in fury road i want to see that movie i want to see imperator mumble <laughs> mumble <laughs> mumble rictus <laughs> oh, oh my god uh also his follow-up after mad max fury road well, it was a movie that looked really interesting, but I never got around to seeing it. Had you heard of the 3,000 Years of Longing movie? I have no idea what that is. So uh, it is Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba. Well, I'm in. As the main characters in it. And it's like a kind of reimagining of uh, like it is. Oh, God. What is the name of the original? So, but it's like yeah, Idris Elba plays a, a genie in it. Uh, and it looked really interesting. I just saw like one trailer and then it just kind of, I, I don't think it ended up performing that well, like 
box office wise, but it looked really interesting. Okay, I've never heard of this movie. Yeah, it, it really came and went. Like it, it was interesting. Like they, <laughs> that's what I'm known for, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it like it, it was in the kind of theater scene on trailers for what felt like a freaking weekend, and then it just disappeared. It, it was really bizarre. But that's the thing. It's like you look at his mo- like his movie history as a director. And even if the movie is not great, it's going to be interesting just because it's George Miller and the guy just has like range for days uh, to be able to make fucking Mad Max Fury Road and Babe pick in the city. That's insane. <laughs> and I, I love him for it. It was, well, real weird. He... it was real weird when Babe just sprayed chrome paint into his mouth and jumped on the back of a car. <laughs> it was a real weird scene. <laughs> Witness, Babe. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? just spitballing was the reasoning for such like a, a stark kind of career uh path change you know what do you what do you be, sometimes it is because people want to make movies for their kids or their grandkids you think he just wanted to go make a few movies for his grandkids yeah so i could see that being a thing it, it strikes me as a decision that like i, I get the feeling george miller only does what george miller wants to do George Miller doesn't do what George Miller does. <laughs> That's for George Miller. George Miller does it George Miller because George Miller. Um, yeah, it strikes me as like Ridley Scott, right? Like I just feel like after a certain point in their career, they realize, oh, you know what? I'm going to make this movie. And they're like, well, we don't really think that's a good idea for you to... No, I'm going to make this movie. Okay, how much do you need? Because like, you know, like they just reach a point in their career. What are you going to do? Stop them? It's George fucking Miller. It, it's George fucking Miller, right? Like that's what Ridley Scott did with all of the recent Alien movies we've gotten. Is I'm gonna make an Alien movie, you know, Mr. Scott. The the last couple of movies. No, I said I'm making another Alien movie. <laughs> like that's the point. He walks up to a fucking full Heisenberg, like say my name, say my name. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got the hat on for some reason. <laughs> yeah, like they just you know some directors just reach that point and they realize it. So it's I like, don't know. I feel like George Miller just does whatever he wants to do. It's similar to uh, Spielberg, I imagine, too, because Spielberg has had some, you know, very, very odd choices for his movies, but they get made, you know? Yeah, he's they also reached, a, he's also ascended, though. Like, he's reached the point that he's also determining what movies get made, even if he doesn't make them, you know? He looked directly into the Crystal Skull. Yep. Never looked directly into the Crystal Never Skull. Never looked directly into the Crystal Skull. Always yeah. keep it covered. Uh. So he directed this. I believe he was also a uh, co-writer on it. Yeah, with Brendan McCarthy and Nick Doris. I can't get this out of my head now that we went there. Um, <clears throat> the knowledge that he gleamed from the Crystal Skull, by the way, no one has ever backed away from a choice as hard as Spielberg backed away from Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> like, no one has ever Homer Simpson harder into a bush. I don't think he Homer Simpson. I think he jumped onto the the, the tree vines and swung away. Swung away. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like Just to get out as fast as possible. Because the gift that Spielberg has is that he knows what's going to make money, right? So even if he he's into the summer blockbuster, literally. Yeah. Even if he's yeah. not directing the movie. He might be a producer credit, and that movie only happened because he said so, and it was another blockbuster, because that is the gift that he has. So he literally put a scene in a movie with him hand-choosing the next Indiana Jones 
Yeah, and that character yeah. showed up at a red carpet event with a paper bag on his head. And he was like, whoa, 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 and just backed away. And they're like, you know what? Maybe we'll just go back to 9,700-year-old Harrison Ford. Yep, yep, yep. And we'll just go back to elder abuse. Yeah. Uh, man. Oh, man. Anyways, I, that was all I could think of after, after we brought up Spielberg is what information he gleaned from the Crystal Skull. So another interesting thing to think about for me, I would love to read the script for Mad Max Fury Road, where it's like, page one, cargo west page two <laughs> cargo east credits because when so much of it like the film lives within the action and and the like minutia of the movement uh how much of it is scripted versus how much of it is like george miller's storyboards yeah like, i'd be really interested to see what is the word count of the script for Mad Max Fury Road, because I'm not saying it doesn't have like depth to it. It, it actually, ha like you m mentioned with like Nux, like there are some character development, you know, arcs in here. You know, there, there's a little bit more. I love how they just kind of hint at stuff in the background. Uh, well, one of the things that I uh, took notice of specifically in this viewing is how like evocative is the image of the crow people like walking yeah. around on the still that's that some is, dark souls bullshit they are bloodborne bosses man yeah uh, and they're so creepy and evocative that's and they don't, village yeah and they barely talk about them you know they only talk about how that was the green place uh and they don't elaborate on so much of the the background of the surrounding areas the surrounding like villages of people uh, it, it's it's I think it's really deftly done. Well, the genius of that is they get you enough information on screen for you to understand what's happening. You might not understand everything, but you understand enough. And why would these characters that live here be explaining shit to each other? They live here, right? Like they know what what Mad Max is the audience stand in. No, he lives in this fucking world, too. He knows enough about what's happening, even if he doesn't know what's happening. He knows right. what's happening, right? Like, yeah. what are you going to do? Sit down and explain to someone all the details and the history of the, the, the lore of this land? Like, it, it, it makes total sense that no one would fucking talk about it. And, you know, since I've already broke the Dark Souls barrier, uh, this movie is all about environmental storytelling. And telling a, the story through images more than anything because most of what you're getting from the characters is gunshots and grunts as they're getting shot and stabbed pretty much like you know so there is also we talked to we were talking about how strong the character development is this movie is a spectacle and that's a hell of a draw but where critically this movie lives and dies is the character development because it's got nothing else. It's got the spectacle and character development, and the story is pretty bare bones. There's not there's enough there to build a movie around. There's not enough there to support the movie. Like you know, oh, this is cheesy or whatever, but it's got a good story and I like it. That's not something you're ever gonna say about Mad Max Fury Road because the story is too bare bones. The story is just the character motivation, basically. Um, so. Yeah, this movie lives and dies by the spectacle and the character development. 
And Jesus Christ, Jeff, the spectacle in this movie. I forgot about the the guys on the poles being uh, counterweighted, oh, the, the and, du Soleil people. And, and just to think about, uh, we, we've received some uh, online figures estimating either 80% or 90%, but either way, whatever percentage that is practical effect for this is absurd. And I don't know how people didn't get fucking killed uh, making this movie because it looks insane, especially the third act. The whole third act chase <laughs> Jeff. is fucking bonkers. Yeah. Practical effects. Everybody died making this movie. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, even we we talked about this uh, when we were talking about like Chow Yun Fat and Jet Li and stuff. Uh, movies that have humor in it where there shouldn't be humor, but it totally works. Like even after one of the most intense car chases you've seen, and then they go into the dust storm, and Tom Hardy's trying to free himself. And you, you just hear the banging, and the camera pans slightly right as he looks over his shoulder, and there's the goddamn war rig with Charlize Theron trying to bang all the dust out of the air filters. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's just right there. <laughs> like, after all of that. Because you think, well, how the fuck's he didn't catch up to him now? They parked. They stopped. And you're just right over there, and you don't know it until you hear the banging. But he's just sitting there rattling the chains. And when he stops, the banging continues, and then the camera yeah. just barely pans right. I love it so much. Uh, the movie is funnier than you think it is. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, when you think back on it, your brain obviously fixates on the bonkers and batshit car chases and action sequences, but it's pretty funny. Like They have some pretty good uh, physical comedy, some pretty good one-liners with it. I want to talk about it just real quick. How fucking awesome the cinematography is with like the cult. Like, what's interesting is I, I think they were originally wanting to make this in black and white, and that's why they made that black and white extra version, you know? Yeah. But I associate so much of the striking colorization of the different areas. Like th th when they have that really, really deep blue yeah. uh, that's used for the night sequences in the desert, the, the desert, uh, like the sandstorm looks so incredibly cool with the way they have the lightning bolts and the the striking like colors of orange everywhere this movie looks way, like it's happening on mars <laughs> it also uh looks to be <laughs> just uh the, like when they're about to enter the sandstorm does that not look like a fucking metal album cover oh it's There's, so good uh it's so good and so metal hey you uh, want to see movie... something terrifying uh those sandstorms have a name i forget what it is but that happened in Arizona, like, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. There was all these images of it everywhere. Fuck that. Don't they have them in Dubai a lot as well? They happen in places like that. I think they happen in Australia a lot. Uh, the thing that was weird and crazy is that it happened in, like, fucking Phoenix or something. That's crazy. Like, there's all these crazy images of it coming in. It's just a wall of sand and dirt with lightning in it that covers up the horizon, covers up the sky, everything. And it is the, some of those images, they look fake, but they're fucking real life that that happened. And it, it looks exactly like what this looks like in this movie. It's nuts. Uh, and, and those are mostly the only times they ever wanted to use CGI was pretty much to set the surroundings and the, the landscape around them. If it was going to be something that it's not pretty much if it's feasible, it's going to be real. And if it is CGI, the CGI looks damn good in this movie. I watched this on Blu-ray last night. This movie is, what, eight years old now? About to be nine? 
and because so much of it is practical that helps it obviously uh we've talked about that with stuff uh like john carpenter's the thing how it becomes timeless when it's practical because it's always going to be there you know it was there when they filmed the scene you know it's yeah. not something that can that can be dated like so many of the 90s cgi that we've talked about on the show but good god uh the the practical effect there there is no weakest link in any of the filmmaking techniques here uh the acting is good cinematography is good the fucking editing dude you see everything Th- yeah think about There's no this shaky versus- cam no shaky about- cam at all think about this compared uh, we were talking about uh rosie hunting uh, huntington uh is it R- huntington whitely is that her full name it's something like that but yeah, how she was in something. we were talking in the green room about how she was in one of the transformer yes. sequels and just compare the action of this to literally any action sequence that michael bay did for the bayformers movies i can't because i never saw any of them they're hot yeah they didn't happen uh but if they did happen hypothetically hot garbage in comparison to mad max fury road because if any movie should have fucking convoluted cinematography and the way that it's framed it should be the movie where they're on fucking poles going 80 miles an hour in the goddamn desert directed by the happy feet guy <laughs> like, <laughs> what how can i always know where i'm at within the scene as far as what i'm supposed to watch what i'm supposed to be drawn to as a viewer and also you're able to keep track of where all the characters are flawlessly. And what's happening the, between each character. Because in that last chase, a big part of like what's going on is they're switching sides of the chase. They're switching vehicles. They're constantly jumping from car to car. And you never feel like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. Not a single time. You always know exactly what you're supposed to be looking at. And that that is also uh, heavily on George Miller because I, I've like read interviews where... He is fixated on, I, I, I think he even, uh, when they were filming the movie, he would go and literally with a marker, uh, draw in the center of the screen, what he wants centered that way that when they were filming it, what is uh, supposed to be drawing your eyes and what he thinks is the most critical part of the action sequence was always a focus of the people running the cameras. So he, he like, I don't know if it was like circles or squares, but he was literally drawing to designate the center of the cameras. So they were always fixated on what is in this very center of the screen. Because it is laser focused all yeah. throughout the action sequences. And it's fucking amazing. And you never feel like you miss anything either. It's crazy. It's so fucking good. I, I, I'm taking it back every time I watch it. Because you, you, you're just watching the sequence happen. And you look at your watch and you look back a few minutes later, you've been watching a 30 minute action sequence and it feels so fast and the, the pacing is just so, so good. Fast and that's so furious. That fucking score, dude, that when that th- main theme happens, I'm so fucking Jones, dude. Oh, I, I love it so the, much. Uh, the fight with Rictus when every punch that lands is it's emphasized by the drums. Hell yeah, dude. Oh, it's so good. So fucking good. Uh, let's run through uh, the, the specific uh, people in the cast we haven't already uh, spoken about. Uh, so we had mentioned how, you know, it's obviously a Mad Max movie, uh, but I think you have to start with the Charlize Theron because to me, Furiosa was always the main character in this. It's pronounced Furiosa. <laughs> it's the only thing I could think of every time I hear that name now. Um, yeah, she's clearly the star of the movie, which is interesting 
Because again, it's supposed to be filmed back to back, and the next one was supposed to be called Mad Max Furiosa. So, so here's my question. I I was not aware that it was supposed to film back to back. Was the original idea for it to to make it a prequel like it is now, like the Furious movie is now coming out next year, or was it going to be a sequel? Do you happen to know? I don't know, but if you're filming them back to back, that tells me it's probably a sequel to um, keep the actors on. Yeah, that yeah. Makes sense. and I'm wondering if the movie we're getting now isn't maybe a mix of both, or wasn't rewritten into a prequel. Yeah, it makes it makes sense. Uh, we also have uh, Charlize Theron is also just like intense and amazing. She's in this. so good in this. She's fantastic. When when do you want to talk alternate castings? I've got some alternate castings here too. Let, let's uh, run through the uh, primary cast and then we'll run down some alternate ones. So we have uh, Tom Hardy who was on just a fucking hot streak around this time. Like he was in everything uh, around 2015. Uh, he, he was uh, originally this was. Uh, the idea for Fury Road was one George Miller had in the back of his head for a very, very long time, uh, and it was originally going to have Mel Gibson in it. It was just going to continue uh, the Mel Gibson series, but then so much time had passed, and Mel Gibson had gotten in such hot water with all of his you know, IRL <laughs> grievances. <laughs> what are you talking about, sugar tits? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so he, he decided to cast Tom Hardy. Uh, I, I think with how feral they fucking made Mad Max in this movie, I think Tom Hardy was a perfect choice because Tom Hardy can just, he'll, he'll be in a movie like Inception where he'll be suave as fuck. And then he'll do a movie like this where he is just completely fucking unhinged. Uh, so I think he was a good choice for Mad Max. Yeah, no, uh, he's absolute perfect casting for Mad Max, I think. And I would love to see him again. Me too. I, th I think he's, so good in the role. I don't know. Uh, I don't. He was legendarily a dick on set. I don't know if he dicked his way out of the role or if they would bring him back. But I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. They They also, because of their, their obvious connection to Furiosa as a character, I could see them making just another Furiosa movie, especially with how insanely popular Anya Taylor-Joy is now. And how uh, popular Furiosa was. Exactly. I mean, exactly. just why not? So to me, what might be the most surprising performance of the movie, just because I had always thought Nicholas Holt was fine. But when you see how much range he has as Nux in this, uh, he is also unhinged in a very, very different way uh, yeah. in, in this versus, you know, comparing him to someone, you know, like Tom Hardy as Max. Uh, I am super stoked. I don't, I don't know if you had heard about this. Did you know Nicholas Holt was cast as Lex Luthor in James Gunn's? upcoming Superman really? movie i really like that choice i think he could do some really great work in that, that type of <laughs> that's character. gonna be real weird when lex luther busts out the can of spray paint <laughs> witness me as he he's like he, he's like crypto, he's got kryptonite he in walks in with both of his hands in his suit jacket pocket and he pulls out one hand a jolly rancher and another one just a can of spray paint <laughs> he, uh and uh you know what nicholas, i would do by the way if i was nicholas holt what's that i would walk around the set constantly offering people jo uh, jolly ranchers I would just not nonstop walk around with a bag <laughs> of Jolly Ranchers, be like Jolly Rancher. Anytime I pass by someone, how many people do you think walk up to Jesse Eisenberg and at offer like a him con Jolly Ranchers and offer him Jolly Ranchers? It's got to be at least fifteen people every thirty minutes. How many right? people have mailed him a jar of piss? You think? 
Uh, well, the night is still young, so <laughs> you never know. The night is still young, and I gotta go as soon as we're done <laughs> recording. Gotta, I'll be back. <laughs> uh, Nicholas Holt is also in probably my most anticipated movie of next year, Nosferatu, uh, which I can't fucking wait. What did you the think support- of him in Deadpool? Um, uh, are, are you talking about which, which character? Isn't he the guy that couldn't feel pain? No. They're, they look incredibly similar, really? but it's a different actor. Yeah. Uh, mm. In Deadpool, you are thinking of... I'm pulling up the listing right here. I know exactly what you're talking about. Especially when they're both bald, they look incredibly yeah. similar. But it's, it's Ed Scrine, who is uh, uh, Ajax. Okay. Oh, he, oh, he's Beast. He's in Deadpool 2. He's Beast. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, um, but they, yeah, but they, they look very, very similar. Wasn't he... So I, before I fucked this up, wasn't he also... Um, I'm probably not gonna find it. Wasn't he also? Uh, or was it the other guy? Also, wasn't he? Um, what? God damn it! I can't think of the name of the movie. The Transporter series. Or is that the other guy also? I think that was also Ed Scrine. Wow. <laughs> so they, they, uh, they look so similar though. I, I can't, I can't fault you for it. But I'm pretty sure that was also Ed Scrine. Oh, dude. Nicholas Holt was Captain America and Harry Potter on Robot Chicken. That's worth nice. looking up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's worth looking up. Yeah. I I really like uh Nicholas Holt in this. He 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 has to go through so much in this movie because he's such a colossal shithead, but for them to make him likable by the end is kind of nuts because He's such an like, the what they the what they strap Max into at the beginning, yeah, the, is really brutal to have because so the the idea behind their characters is they uh they they constantly talk about their half life because they're they're terminal, they're so just decrepit that he literally needs to strap Max to the front of his car to use him as an active body bag just to stay upright. And they fucking strap Mad Max to the front of the car with a, like, a steel <laughs> muzzle uh, just to add, like, insult to injury to it. Because, you know, like, fucking uncomfortable. Fuck. Dude, Tom Hardy was probably a dick on set because he had to wear that goddamn muzzle on his face <laughs> for six months. I'd be fucking pissed, too, because that thing looked uncomfortable as all hell. <laughs> One of the best lines in the movie is when he sees his car entering the battle and he's just like, first they take my blood and then my car. What else can they take from me? The car's the bigger deal than his blood. <laughs> I also really like uh, where he's like, that's my jacket. Later when he yeah. gets his jacket back. Yeah. Uh, when they show up in his car again, he's like, that's mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so good. I also love the fact that one of the main characters is called Toast. That's uh, <laughs> Toast the Knowing. Uh, we got we got to talk about the the naming conventions for just Mad Max characters in general. Uh, well, like well, I've always loved that about Mad we, Max. First off, can we just talk uh, about Max Rockatansky? It's so good. That's you know such a the good villain, name. Have you ever seen Have you seen the original Mad Max movies? Ryan? I own them. Have you seen them? Uh, yeah, I own them. It's been it's been several years since I've seen them, but yeah. The villain. In the in the Road Warrior being Lord Humongous. Yes. I fucking love it. Just walk away. Just walk <laughs> away. I, I love Road Warrior. Uh Mad Max, the first one, I think is okay. I'm not a big uh Thunderdome guy, but I love the Road Warrior. That was always my favorite one until Fury Road came out. That's also something to talk about too. 
this is the best Mad Max movie by far, and it was a fourth one in the series made 30 years later. How often does that happen? Never. Never. Fucking and never. I can tell you why it happens. Um, I have had this conversation with you several times, and it usually it involves the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, where you don't need to outdo the first movie. You just need to aim to be at the same level as the first movie, right? You don't need to try to one-up anything. And I had... I scrolled up for the casting news, but I had a um, a thing from George Miller where he was talking about in an interview where his goal was not to one-up the original trilogy, but to hearken back to the original trilogy was his goal. Yeah, um, and they do it flawlessly because it is so in the spirit of Mad Max. It is just cranked up to 12. Yeah, he know? said he wanted to hearken back uh, to the original trilogy and he wanted to do it with like updated techniques or something or more modern techniques and, and just a bigger budget because they were some of his very first projects he made period. So for yeah. Mad Max, the first one to have as like high of a quality with its, with its action sequences as it does is astounding. But uh, with, with it being like, to me, they, they don't try to like raise the stakes too high because this is like a really, really personal story too. Uh, it's just like what the story always was with the original Mad Max movies. It's just Mad Max. He's always just kind of passing through, right? He's just passing through. He, he and he finds some person or some group of people who need his help, and that is always the story. And he begrudgingly helps them, just like you said. Like they, it is again hearkening back to the the very minimal storytelling that he always made with these movies. Because you don't need to like raise the stakes and have it be. You know, how many film franchises, like to your point, 30 years later, this plot line would have been about saving the world. Yeah. Something very, very grand and completely like off kilter compared to the rest of what came before it. And I 10,000% agree with you. Like, I, I think he keeps it in the spirit and keeps it at the same scale. But what cranks it up to 12 is just how fucking well made the action sequences are and how well they're shot. And it's just mesmerizing movie making do, to me. uh do you think the fantastic. do you think mad max itself had any influence on the walking dead because it's a lot of similar concepts the world is fucked there's nothing we can do about it all of us are the walking dead in mad max and in the walking dead um yeah i could see it you know it's people at their worst but some people like either finding or rediscovering their humanity it's kind of an ongoing theme through that show and this movie franchise. Yep. And that show and that comic. Like mm -hmm. I, I can, I can just see. And then the communities that people enter into and how the characters just kind of pass through. I wonder what kind of influence this has had on anything related to the walking dead. It's interesting. Not just, not just Fury road, but you know, the original trilogy. The too. Yeah. Specifically the originals. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, uh, Hugh keys burn uh, passed away a few years ago, but God damn, is he good as a Morton Joe? <laughs> a, a Morton Joe. Uh, I, I also I didn't realize he passed away. That's not the one I was talking about earlier. Oh, really? Who, who did you uh, find out that had passed away? I was talking about do, 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 Richard Carter, the Bullet Farmer. Oh God, I thought you were talking about a Morton Joe. Yeah, Morton Joe, uh, the actor, passed away in 2020. He wasn't a Morton at all. I love their goofy 
fucking naming conventions for the characters. I, I think I started that point earlier, but we got sidetracked. But you can tell like how much of their bullshit at their Citadel thing is just them being in charge but being colossal fucking idiots. Yeah. You know? Because a, a Morton Joe, you know, Imperator Furiosa, he's just making shit up as he goes along. And they all buy it because he's in charge and he has the water supply. And that's literally like all that he has to like to run this entire fucking town city. I, I, they're, they're kind of like vague on just how many goddamn people live at their little Citadel thing. Cause the, the, the fucking infrastructure of the, the city is like a demon souls level. It's like 12,000 <laughs> feet tall in the mountains. And there's all of those goddamn caves. It reminds me of, you remember in the first like Hobbit movie, when they're in those like weird cavern structures yeah and it's like a it's like they're inside a like a mountain but it's an ewok village simultaneously that they have like a little bit of that going on i don't understand why but yeah it's bonkers yeah uh and morton joe his imagination was mediocre so good i fucking dude that's <laughs> another so one of those good. moments that we were talking about one of those moments of comedy in the movie is they have this huge build-up and then he snags the chain that's been wrapped, wrapped around his wrist the whole fucking movie. Mediocre. The, the music is also great right there because they're ratcheting up the music intensity yeah. as he's, you know, being sprayed by a Morton Joe and you think this uh, this insanely epic thing's about to happen and then he just trips. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> and and that is, you know, part of what... It's it's funny, you know, it's, it's yeah, played it, up for comedic purposes, but, but it's, it's not really important comedy. for his character. It's yeah. really important for his character. It, it completely shifts his focus away from just constantly wanting... Because he, he feels... He's lost his one chance to earn a meet, like to earn meaning, uh, you know, because they're, they're, like, h how long do you think their life expectancy is for, you know, like the war boys and everything? Like, uh, pretty fucking we, grim. We never, we never saw an old one. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Like they so. live just to commit suicide in battle, basically. Yep. Um, he, he he thinks he's lost his one shot to have relevance as a human, which is if, you know crazy. If I can make a case real quick for the Oxford comma. <laughs> can you can you go to IMDb and witness the description of this movie? Uh, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. Does it not make Mad Max sound like a psychotic worshiper? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. And, I, I, IMDb is fucking up. It's not letting me expand the read the full description, unfortunately. In a post-apocalyptic wasteland. A woman rebels against a tyrannical ruler in search for her homeland with the aid of a group of female prisoners, a psychotic worshiper, and a drifter named Max. <laughs> it almost makes Max sound like he is a group of female prisoners, comma, a psychotic worshiper, and a drifter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I just wanted to it, throw that out there because I had to read that twice before I understood what it was saying because there's no goddamn Max for comma. I am also Team Oxford, comma, and I died inside every time I would have an article published on CPR, and they would fucking add, uh, they would remove my Oxford, comma, and I wanted to just go punch a wall because I am <laughs> Team Oxford, comma. Uh, oh yeah. man. So, okay, we did we we didn't make it through the cast yet, dude. Let's let's do that before we move on, because I want to talk about some things. Of course. Uh, so th th what we have remaining are uh, m mostly. The uh, supporting characters who are the wives of a Morton Joe, uh, we have. Good uh, God, could you imagine? Yeah, it's it's pretty fucking grim. Rosie Huntington Whiteley plays Splendid. 
Riley Keough plays what is her character? That they have some crazy fucking weird names. Capable is her name. <laughs> Apparently, Abby Lee is the dag. What? What? What are these? The names are so bizarre. Uh, you have Courtney Eaton playing Cheeto the fragile, not Cheeto, but Cheeto with a D. Uh, also weird. Yeah. What? What do you think is? Uh, and, and we mentioned earlier how Zoe Kravitz is playing Toast the knowing. <laughs> it, 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 it's like. The way, uh, like fucking Post Malone got his rapper name by just putting in a fucking name generator, you know. I need, I need the IMDb photos just to see who the fuck these people are, because, yeah, I don't. It's, it's very bizarre. I it can't also tell who anyone like, is by the character names. It it also just shows like how fucking stupid a Morton Joe really is, just based on some of the names that he's probably forced his wives to be renamed as i think that's why you know how they always talk about how rosie huntington is his favorite and her name is splendid so i think he yeah. has re personally renamed all of them uh as his wives and there, yeah there's a lot of really really dark uh background going on with these characters that they well i mean obviously allude to but uh that yeah, is further further showing ownership right renaming them yeah um uh, also the it's another thing that is very very blinking you miss it uh but the the chastity belts yeah oh really, it's not a blink and you miss it they really, put it front and center well well it's also but what i mean by that is they don't elaborate further on it you know it's just there and it's all subtext it's not <laughs> yeah them yeah it didn't need to be elaborated on yeah it's there's a lot of really really gross really dark shit happening at the Citadel that they just briefly, briefly touch on. I love, uh, oh, Ron has sent me the, <laughs> the, like, the Blu-ray set where you have the fucking Immortan Joe mask that's just so metal. So good. So good. I love the names of some of the supporting characters in uh, Immortan Joe's army. Uh, man, how, how awesome are the names the People Eater and the Bullet Farmer? It's so cool. <laughs> it's so oh, good. I love it. The fucking Doof Warrior, man. What a name. The what an icon. Warrior. What, a, what a fucking icon. <laughs> I can't help but imagine like a Badoof with a rifle and some armor. Oh my god. The Doof. It's so, it, it's so good. Uh, yeah, so what were some of the alternate castings that you wanted to talk about? Oh, this is good, dude. So, 1987, right? Um, We were looking at... Hang on, let me... Let me come back down here to production. Um, the idea that um, uh, George Miller was floating around. No, I'm sorry. It wasn't 87. It was uh, the 2000s. Um, the idea he was floating around was Mel Gibson for Max and Sigourney Weaver for Furiosa. That's, that's a movie I want to see. <laughs> that's, that's interesting, man. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Could you imagine... I mean, I'm pretty sure that's kind of what we got through the spirit of Charlie's Theron. Because if you had to, if you had to make me name a Sigourney Weaver replacement in anything, it would probably be Charlie's Theron. She's got yeah, that I, kind I, of vibe and energy to her. Yeah, she has that that quiet intensity. Yes, that Sigourney Weaver always had. Yes, and she's really good at speaking with her body language and her facial expressions and. Uh, it, she we're, also we're, we're put used on to seeing Sigourney Weaver dirty also. So, you know, she also can put on a face where you instantly do not want to fuck with her. Uh, and they're both very similar in that because there are some, there are some scenes in this movie 
where if looks could kill dude furiosa <laughs> would have a goddamn body count bigger than what's already in the movie it's crazy yeah um uh, she, she's on, awesome yeah on top of that like the more i think about it you know canonically like some of the games are considered part of the alien uh universe if they ever do anything with ripley's daughter i think charlie's theron would be pretty good i could see it um because that, that's who you play as in like alien isolation and that is supposed yeah. to be canon yeah i think you're right um anyways so they had announced in 2010 they're going to start making the movie that's the same month which was august 2010 they announced that tom hardy was in in negotiations and that charlie's theron would be playing a major role but here's the finalists for mad max tom hardy army hammer jeremy renner michael fassbender joel kinnaman heath ledger Eric Bana and rapper Eminem. Eminem, really? That's and then it has in parentheses who did not want to leave the United States. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh -huh. Maybe he saw the mask muzzle thing he'd have to wear for three months of filming. He's like, yeah, you know what? I'm I'm good. I'll just stay over here. <laughs> That's crazy. Each one of those makes for such a drastically different movie, right? Uh, it's interesting. Army Hammer, I see it. I could see it. Uh, I don't think it'd be as good as Tom Hardy, but I could see this same movie with Army Hammer in it. I think Michael Fassbender is a completely different movie. Eric Bana is a completely different movie, probably a different genre. Um, Eminem, we wouldn't have the score. We would have whatever <laughs> single he made for the movie. Um, I, as much as I like them, I do not see Jeremy Renner, Fassbender, or Kinnaman, or Ledger. I, I don't think I could see Heath Ledger as a villain, but yeah, I, I don't I don't see any of them as Mad Max. You need if you were going down the route and notice of, we didn't get them as Mad Max. If you're going down the route of him being as feral as he is, uh, when I see I mean Army Hammer eats people, it's pretty metal and pretty uh, feral. You gotta you gotta hand it to him. Uh, but no, don't you won't get the hand back. He didn't get the part because they already had casted the people eater <laughs> in Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> he ate the casting director. <laughs> uh, but I don't think that Jeremy Renner always just has this inherent likableness about him. And you're not supposed to like Mad Max. You're, you, he's supposed to be the very definition of anti-hero. Yes. Uh, and he's supposed to be, he's he, he yeah, like several scenes of him aiming guns at pregnant women pregnant women you know uh he's not a likable dude he you now, understand his granted, reasoning granted he knew, he knew that gun wouldn't fire uh, the first yes, time but yes it, it, yeah it, it is the, but he uh, also gets he gets pistols later yeah where he knows they're loaded but you also later. know that why he, isn't that a tagline he gets pistols later <laughs> <laughs> he, Mad uh, Max, he gets pistols later he just always has this uh, unpredictability about him that you you need, and and you've seen Tom Hardy play you know villains and you know good guys. He he just he he wasn't 
purely kind of typecasted as right uh certain character tropes and like types of characters that some of those are actors were so yeah those are fascinating i hadn't heard of most of those i heard a couple of them this movie came out in 2015 so jeremy renner was already hawkeye Mm -hmm. yeah no that didn't work for me at all bro i think on any level he so when they were originally uh they filmed this uh a while before it actually hit theaters. I think they actually had casted the bulk of the leads in around 2010. Yeah, so August 2010. I so I don't think he had been because Avengers was 2012. When I was Thor say. though? We saw Hawkeye and Thor. I think Thor was 2011. So it was right around that same okay. time. Yeah. So he had yeah Thor so was 2011. He hadn't so it was, had it his was big a big comeback yet. He hadn't had the the like the Hawkeye kind of break out yet yeah which makes sense uh but man yeah i i think tom hardy was the perfect choice and i from and now i mean he wasn't then but now i could never separate joel kenneman from um altered carbon i think altered carbon season one is so fucking good i didn't see season two i wanted to it's okay when they canceled it it, i was like well fuck i know there's three books why would i go into season two now yeah (laughs) so uh, I just I just never got around to it because they canceled it before doing season three. I also missed Joel Kinnaman because uh, I love Anthony Mackie and he he does a good job. Uh, but uh, I I like Joel Kinnaman's version of the character better in the first season. Also, just the storyline of season one was a lot better. Well, so I I think that was a big part of it. The thing that would be difficult to me is in the book he changes bodies all the time, but he's the same character. So right. Anthony Mackie would have to be pretending to be Joel Kinnaman. And that's usually not what that's not what actors do. You hire an actor so they can bring whatever flavor they bring to your project. So yeah, it was it was it was a difficult task as far as casting yeah. that series. Uh, uh, I I know it, it kind of like it's counter to the spirit of the novels and the core concept of the show. I would have just continued using Joel Kinnaman uh, yeah. just just right away to make it work. You can. It's sci-fi. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, j- just, just cut- have them clone them. Just have them fucking clone <laughs> the body of the first guy, and yeah. then it's still Joel Kinnaman, and then we don't have an issue. But it wouldn't have mattered because it still would have fucking got canceled because of Netflix. So, yeah. But that trailer was fucking awesome. There, there, his reflection being Joel Kinnaman. Yeah, that was really. Yeah, it was bad. It was a bad. I just think like the first season of Ultra Carbon is one of the better seasons of sci-fi the past several years. Granted, we don't get very much of it, Dude, but it was damn good. Check out the first book too. Yeah. Uh. Since I I watched the first two seasons of the show and uh I need to to be able to just see like the ending of the story because I I've only I haven't read the books yet I've only seen the show so I need to I need to either listen to the audiobooks or find those novels and read them. The so. the first book is real good. I uh, just real quickly uh we we talked several times about uh the cinematography the music and editing and everything I just wanted to credit everybody uh so the music is done by uh Tom Holkenborg uh who his uh, AKA name is Junkie XL. He did a shit ton of movie scores over the past like several years. He's been all over the place. The cinematography was done by John Seal. Editing was done by Margaret Sixel. And man, uh, this movie won six Oscars, should have won more to me. I think they won literally every fucking technical <laughs> award you can get. It's a very technical film. They literally ha- used people from Cirque du Soleil. They have 150 right. 
I think it was like 150 stump people, and there's a handful of them that are from Cert du, du Soleil, and I guarantee you they're the people in the polls. There's also probably a few of them that are still buried out there, and they just in lost the track. Yeah, they just lost track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this, this movie, man. Um, the almost ironic thing about this movie, it's got it's got a lot going on theming wise there's a lot of uh feminist themes and stuff that are really good but the thing that harkens through all of the main characters and all of um all of our supporting characters is all of them kind of rediscover or regain their humanity a little bit including our war boy uh yeah he, uh, fi- yeah, he finds his purpose and he regains a little bit of his humanity and the fact that this movie can take something as dumb as witness me and turn it into a line that makes me cry. Dude. It's so sad. His last uh, words, like you just, his voice, his line delivery on the way he says, witness me. Because it's, it's great writing because the character thought process behind witness me is going out in a blaze of glory. Yeah. And you know, that's what you're seeking is that moment of glory. But what to, he was missing but, was a reason to go out in that blaze of glory. And he found it in her. Uh, but what what's also sad about it is that's all he wanted was to be witness and go out in a blaze of glory. But when he does, he doesn't want to go. He wants to stay to be with her. And it's really tragic. Yeah. It's got a lot of uh, David Tennant energy now that you say those words. Uh, uh, he, I don't he, he doesn't want to because he, he 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 knows he asked to to save them all but he doesn't want to go but that's all he wanted to do beforehand so it's it's really good right it's it's very subtle it's very minimal but it's really well executed and nicholas holt just like all the emotion he has on his face as he's about to die is really sad and really and well he done. keeps his eyes on her yeah yeah and she witnesses him yeah and this is they in that scene showing the fucking fire guitar yeah, and the movie is never it never jumps the shark. Yeah, and it, it it totally should the like a thousand times comes over. at you and then rebounds back because it's on the cables. That's one of the things that they uh, have the score sync to. I think is when he's hitting <laughs> uh, Rictus with the flame guitar. Yeah, and I fucking love this movie so much, man. It's so fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> the, there's so many m- moments in this movie where it brings back the energy of you smiling at the action movie like you were when you were an idiot 15 year old and i love that about it uh because you you, you remember when you were younger you were a teenager and you could sit down and just turn your fucking stupid brain off and watch an action movie you know and just grin like an idiot this has that just amped up tenfold and i I love it for it i mean this isn't even gonna seem like a comparison at this point but do you remember the first time you saw Terminator 2, which is wildly held as one of the greatest action movies of all time? If not the greatest action movie. If of all not time. the greatest. Yeah. Like it gives you that same feeling back because that movie it, it watches differently now, but the first time you saw that movie, if you recall, it felt like this movie. It felt like it didn't slow down. It felt like it didn't stop. It had uh moments of levity through comedy. It had the one-liners and it had chase sequences and it had fucking robots punching each other. And yeah, like that movie was, it had special effects he'd never seen before. 
in a movie yeah it's it's a good comparison because it, it also just i uh, felt like a kid much... watching terminator 2 again for the first time probably way too young and also, uh, one thing they share that I think is a real driving force for them both is uh, it uh, Terminator 2 is also based around its simplicity. You know, yeah. Terminator 2, bad robot, <laughs> going after kid, needs to be protected by good robot. That's your fucking plot. Terminator 2, good robot punches bad robot. Yeah. And it's one of the best movies of all time. <laughs> yep. We need to get those movies on the show. Have we not had Terminator on we your show? We haven't had yet? a single Terminator on this show. We fucking suck at our job, man. <laughs> well, we fucking suck. Well, you and I both have seen it, and we both love him. So, you know, the, the, the whole thing about this podcast started with us showing each other movies. But right. they, they, we, they do deserve to sidestep the premise of this podcast and just get on the show so we can talk about them. Because they, yeah. they deserve to be celebrated. Yeah, they've had... They've had so many of them that it would be tough to do individual franchise coverage like oh, we've done with Lord of the you, Rings. You know me and my redemption episodes. I like the Terminator films, all of them to some degree, and I will defend all of them. So yeah, yeah, we uh, the, we could do one and two, and then I can just occasionally bring up one. For sure, uh, I, I like most of them too. I think the only one, granted, I haven't seen it in a long time. I think the only one that I was kind of about was the third one um but i also just haven't seen it but the one time i'm and it willing was a to years bet ago. i'm willing to bet it's better than you remember i remember really liking the way it, the ending is set up the it ending is may really not cool. it may not be good it may not be your favorite movie of all time but i guarantee you it's better than what you're remembering a lot and, of people I, and I'm not just talked. saying that to you. I'm saying that to anyone listening. I'm willing to bet Terminator 3 is better than you remember. Yeah, I, I definitely didn't dislike it. It was just one of those... The TX was awesome, by the way, and that chick that played the TX, she was great. I always wanted to watch the, the, uh, the, the TV show. The, it's on Hulu. Sarah, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, is that the name of the show? Yes, it is one of, it is one of the that. hardest things to find. And because of the writer strike, everybody was grasping for things. Mm -hmm. uh, it, I, I hold someone. I don't remember if it was you, if it was Chris. Someone pointed out a whole bunch of old shit hit all the streaming services. Some of them very rare and hard to find, like the Sarah Connor Chronicles. And someone pointed out to me, well, there was a writer strike. They needed content. Right. So I guarantee you that is why they dusted off the Sarah Connor Chronicles. But I'm gonna double check that. But I am pretty sure it is on. It's on one of the services I have. Uh, I've seen it. It's in my list. I will be watching it. Uh, Terminator: yeah. The Sarah Connor Chronicles. Do do do. It is. It two seasons on Hulu. People really shit talked the most recent Dark Fate one. I liked Dark Fate. I liked Dark Fate. I liked it a lot too. And it was a good kind of soft reboot that kind of picked up the pieces of the other movies because the timeline is fucked up. And in that movie, the timeline is fucked up. Like uh everything is fucked up in Genesis. That was kind of where everything came to a head because we fucked with time too much. Yeah. And then the soft reboot of it is it's a different AI doing things for different reasons. We didn't really win the war. We kind of lost the war and like, yeah, Dark Fate was good. I, I liked where they, they picked up the pieces of what was around and went with it. 
Yeah, I liked it a lot. I need to watch it again. That was a movie that you and I walked out of the theater talking about the sound design. Oh man, it was so good. I mean, it's like sim- yeah, it was similar to this where it ha- it has moments that are they're they're striking with how good the the sound mixing is. Yeah. Um, man, I I'm just going back through photos uh, of snippets from Mad Max Fury Road. Why are there three thousand photos? Uh, I'm scrolling <laughs> through them now. At least fifteen hundred of them are uh, the red Blu-ray? carpet photos. Are red carpet photos? Oh, okay. Also, there's a photo where Mel Gibson was there. I don't know if he was invited. He might have just snuck onto the red carpet and been like, yeah, it's a Mad Max movie. I'm Mad Max, man. He might have just heard something about chastity belts coming off and showed up. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Oh, my goodness. Did you see where George Miller talked about how they already had a ton of the uh, the vehicles already made because they made them in 1987 when they were originally talking about making this movie? And and it's perfect too because that's what the vehicles are supposed to look like. They're supposed to look, you know, the the fucking world has ended. All the vehicles they're driving around are f- f- what like seventy years old by them yeah. in their time. Uh, it's perfect. It's per- like the, the 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 ridiculousness of some of the vehicles too oh. adds so much charm to it. I why was Jane Seymour at the red carpet event for Mad Max Fury Road? I don't. Jane Seymour went to okay. I, yeah, I've got, I've got nothing. I mean, it makes sense. I can never say this name. Gil- Guillermo del Toro. Oh it, yeah, Gear. It, make, it makes sense he'd be there, sure. But I'm mean, I just, I'm scratching my head at Jane Seymour deciding to show up to yeah, I, the I premiere of Fury Road. I got nothing. How how awesome, by the way, is uh, the idea of him being a blood bag? serves like a third act plot importance yeah Uh, that that seems very throwaway just kind of there for shock value but it's important for the ending and Uh, that's really cool Uh, i i forgot i forgot about that when i watched this for this viewing and they did the thing where they explained away a potential plot issue without explaining it because they literally tattoo on his back that he is a universal donor so he can give to anyone. So good. Uh, another really, really metal scene. How good is it when the, <clears throat> I believe it's the bullet farmer. He gets, gets blinded. Fucking, he gets blinded uh, by a sniper shot from Furiosa. Okay, first off, and then another moment played up for comedy because our hero, quote unquote, takes two shots, only has one left and misses both of them looks at her, and then she's just staring at him. He takes aim for the final <laughs> shot, and then he can't bring himself to pull the trigger because he doesn't think he's going to hit it, and he just hands her the rifle. And he knows, he knows for sure she will. And he uh, knows it's, it's that great. she will hit it, and he's just like, just begrudgingly hands her the rifle <laughs> without her saying a word. It's great. But then he follows that scene up where he's like, I know what I'm fucking good at. He goes and has this crazy action sequence, and it all happens off screen. Off and I love camera, it. Camera, the it balls all, of this movie. It all happens off screen. He goes and takes out the fucking like one of the main supporting characters, as far as like who's one of the lieutenants essentially in the Immortan Joe army. It goes and he takes out their entire group off screen, and all you see is the fucking explosion and him walking back covered in blood. And, and they ask him if he's okay, and she just. Yeah, right, and he's carrying the bag full of extra guns and shit too, 
And, yeah. he, and, and, and they ask him if he's okay because the blood and Furiosa just says it's not his. Well, it's what's so even better? Metal. I love it. What's even better is when she says, are you hurt? And he just stares at her and she goes, you're bleeding. And he just grunts at her like he doesn't understand what she's saying to him. And then Furiosa just goes, it's not his blood. So good. I love it. Oh, it's such man. A, it's such a fucking, like, like you said, it's so confident. Is uh, there... Is there an underlying um, allegory or metaphor happening there when he washes his the blood off of his face with mother's milk? Uh, yeah, I've is there seen something that I'm missing? I've seen that discussed before, uh, but to they me that becomes out. to me that becomes like uh, I, I think it's fine to be there as a kind of subtext for it, but I think if you dig into that too deeply, I think that is trying to apply too of much of an elevated discussion about allegory to Mad Max Fury Road, which it's, the movie has depth to it, but I don't think it's it's striking. Uh, I don't think it's like seeking to it's make It's just what they have to like trade that. for fuel and for bullets, right? Yeah, I, a lot of people have really made a deep dive into that, and I don't think it's really necessary or what the movie is really trying to say. I don't think it's trying to be that deep with its allegory, you know? It has depth. I don't think it's trying to be like an art house conversation what about Uh, this movie screams art house to anyone exactly so like why are people having that people i mean mean, grasping at straws this idea even started with george miller as an almost unbroken car chase beginning to end yeah so nothing about it is going to be that deep i mean i'm not saying it's not they found ways to bring in deep meaning to things right but the original concept of the movie was he was just like i want to make an entire movie that is a single car chase that was exactly that was what happened. That is how this movie make, was birthed. I wanted to make an entire movie that was a single car chase. They wouldn't let me do it with the penguins, so I'm gonna do it with Charlie's <laughs> Throne and Tom Hardy in the Desert. <laughs> oh man. Uh I just found something, Jeff. Oh, what'd you find? Uh you're about to see it. Yeah, I'm always terrified when you send me shit in the Discord because oh, I no. have no idea what I'm in for. Oh no, you'll like this one. I have no idea. Dude. The score, when (laughs) when the blinded he when he screams, "I am the scales of justice," as he's blindly shooting. I, and then it turns into what? What is that? It's like a classical musical tune, but I don't remember what they're doing. It's like, but it's it's like this. uh, I I can't even explain it, but it's glorious, and I love it. I love it dearly. (laughs) (laughs) I am the scales of justice as he shoots blindly into the desert. Yeah, I love it. I fucking love it. It's it's so absurd in all the best ways imaginable. Uh, I think I'm honestly kind of uh, out of talking points because the movie just speaks for itself. It is. It has to. There's fucking... not. There's not a lot. This movie's incredibly complex, but overall, there's not a lot to it. Also, you know, so yeah. it, it, there's not a lot to be said, other than you know. That was great. This was great. It was great. It's perfect. Uh, the most Dark Souls image I've ever seen in a movie, I think, comes from this movie. I just sent it to you in the Discord. Is it the the crow people walking in the? No, the, the, that, that's, that, that's something. They look like fucking Dark Souls bosses, man. They look like, like Bloodborne enemies that you would just like yeah. going around through a poison swamp. Absolutely. Which they are going through a poison swamp. Yeah. Uh oh. I, I am going to send you this talking point real quick. I forgot about the opening to this movie. 
I love, this is the first time that it subverts your expectations with what's happening on screen. Because you totally think this is his big escape. And the fact that he jumps out, wrangles that crane hook as it's going up, and they pull him back in and, like, lock him away. Like, he almost escapes, and then it's like, where's he going to go? You don't know. It's Mad Max. He'll find a way out. Right. But... There's also something to be said about the fact that he's talking about how basically he has no humanity left at this point in his narration. He's talking about he's just a man boiled down to one last surviving instinct, and that is survival. But at the end of the movie, he does get away, and it's after he's regained or rediscovered some of his humanity. There's something to be said there if you wanted to go art house with it. Exactly. Because, I mean, he's kind of trapped until he gets over some of the stuff, right? But... Also, I didn't notice till I sent you this image. Those are ambulance doors, Jeff. I never noticed that. Those uh, are ambulance doors on the cliffside. That's a cool detail. I did not notice that. But yeah, uh, they, uh, now, now that he's constantly having like flashes of the little girl, which is his daughter. I forget was did they have his daughter as a character in the first movie, and she died in the first one, or did that happen? off screen in the so, first one. I guess I can't remember. I it has been probably 30 years since 20 years since I have watched those movies. Um I don't know. I think I think the world is already ended when the first movie starts. I think it happened off screen in his history. Okay. Uh as what I think. Because I don't think we ever see the world as it was in any of the movies. Yeah, I. you know what? I want to watch the first movie again. Because I haven't seen the first movie in probably 10 to 15 years myself. So I remember certain aspects of it, but I don't have... I haven't seen it multiple times like I have Fury Road, so I don't have it uh, ingrained in my memory at all. So I need to, I need to watch it And again. the one that was always on TV was Thunderdome. So it's probably the one I've seen the most outside of Fury Road. What are your thoughts? Do you remember liking Thunderdome? Because I was very like, eh, about Thunderdome. But Thunderdome is, it becomes a little bit too cartoonish for me. Yeah, I uh, I like it. I like all the Mad Max movies. I don't, yeah, I don't dislike it. It's um, just a little bit, I think it goes a little bit too far over the edge with its kind of silliness. I remember it being the weakest, but at this point, I couldn't tell you why. You know what I mean? Like, it's just been too long. I also just really fucking dug the Road Warrior. So when you have a really Road Warrior really is great, good. when you have a classic like that to follow on the heels of it, just like with Terminator Two and Terminator Three, it's a it's a losing battle from the get go. Uh, I I love that image of the fucking guitar. <laughs> it's man, I, I yeah. What what? There's nothing else to say. It's just the perfect fucking movie, and I am so excited for Furiosa. As soon as I saw that trailer, I didn't know fucking anybody that was going to be in the sequel i didn't even know they were actually finally getting around to making a sequel Dude. when i saw that the trailer had dropped i lost my shit and i knew i had to get this on the podcast as soon as possible you texted me and asked me if i've seen that trailer and i was like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> right it came out of nowhere they just dropped the fucking trailer i had no idea that they were not only making the movie but they had gotten hemsworth and anya taylor joy for it oh it here it is looks incredible here it is. Here's your goddamn crows, son. Oh, did you find the I creepy crow people? I found the it. 
This yeah. is a poison swamp right out of Bloodborne. Look at the look at the fucking uh the the shades of blue. I love it. Just, it's a gorgeous. That's a that's like a a fucking wallpaper for your computer, man. This it, has to be gorgeous. This has to be filmed during the day with a filter, right? I think all of the blue is a specific filter they have made to make it look like nighttime. I, I agree. I think the orange that we see also is a filter. Yeah, for sure. But man, uh, color correction—that was the term I was uh, thinking of. Yeah, so it's incredible. If you would go to that image, um, on IMDb and go for the next two. It is her staring directly at the camera at our war boy. And the next one is him pointing at her saying, witness me back to back. Damn. Yeah. 558 and 557 on IMDb. What a fucking movie. Oh, also the movie calls back to itself before the start of the third act in the best way, because he is so feral at the beginning of the movie with my name is Max. And we get the same shot again, but instead of the car, it's the motorcycle and the war rig is there. And he's watching the women ride away on their motorcycles into the salt lands. And we basically get the opening of the movie again. But at this point he has kind of come out of being feral a little bit and regained part of his humanity. And he just cannot, watch them drive off into what he knows will be their death. Yeah. He just he, can't he, do it. He wants to. He can't. He's made like a, it's like a turning point because he's no longer running away from something. He's running away like to something. Uh, he's, he has like a, a newfound purpose. I was going to say uh, again, for a purpose, the same as our war boy, yeah. right? Uh, Furiosa found her purpose before the movie even started. That's what started this whole thing. Um, she's saving the, the wives and she gets a new purpose thrust on her because I kind of get the feeling that she's the leader of the Citadel now. Pretty much. Um, yeah, because she, she was an Imperator. You know, it's a very high-ranking thing. They bring back the corpse of a Morton Job, so there, there's going to be like a line of succession. And if and the first thing they do when they get back is give out water. So like they're going to be beloved by all the people. So like, oh, they're, they they're didn't even really do that. Wasn't that the, the ladies being milked? Uh, I can't remember. That's who I thought it was because they're yeah, well, they're still in the elevator uh, being brought up. But you, you know what I'm saying? It's like the first thing they all do when they get back is right. they have like a, a changing of the guard, and it's no longer this really oppressive atmosphere. So like they're they're all beloved, and yeah, I I agree. I think she's kind of like the new. And you want to talk about up. feral? I mean, what happens when they drop a Morton Joe's corpse? Uh it's crazy. <laughs> it's yeah. so brutal. But no. Uh, oh, 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 can we talk about like the way Furiosa kills Morton Joe is one of the single <laughs> most metal kills in any movie of all time. Not only the first that. time you see that, the first time I saw that in the theater when we first saw this movie, I lost my shit because it is so unbelievably fucking metal. And the pacing of it is actually really well done because because of the way the movie works and how extended the car chases are it ends more abruptly than you think it would in like a good way. Yeah. Cause you, you think, and you feel from someone who's watched the, like the, the lead up to when she, when she kills him. Oh, this is, this chase is going to go on for another 10 minutes, but no, it doesn't. She fucking ends him in the most awesome 
brutal metal fashion. You know, for how play. metal and brutal this movie is, it's really not gory. That's really the only real instance of gore. Right. Uh, yeah, they're very subdued with it. Yeah, it it's interesting. Uh, <laughs> they, the, um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Oh, here's the uh, here's the other image I was looking for. But no, they uh, with Furiosa, man. I mean, do we need Mad Max? Have we not finished Mad Max's storyline? Probably at this point. Uh, yeah. At this point, uh, I could always see them. I I I could see them. You know, maybe bringing back Tom Hardy again for another one. But which I'm all for. Well, I I I agree. I really like him as his character, but I also just think that you could almost see them making additional spinoffs, even if it wasn't Furiosa, you know, like you can always, because they called it in the, like the, the official Furiosa tagline, like the, the titling for it is it's, it's called the Mad Max saga. And I, I think you can do additional stories, even if they weren't Furiosa, just because it's a crazy setting. It's a cool world. I hope they don't try to make them without George Miller, because I think you have to be a crazy oh, person like George Miller to be able to pull off these action sequences. And that is the bread and butter of the movie. So I don't think it works without him, but I am down for whatever spinoff they do uh, with whatever character, as long as it's George Miller. And as long as it's still this level of batshit, man, when a Morton joke, it's fucking, I, I found a still for you. Um, when he, yeah, the way he gets killed is metals. Yeah. Off. I got my, uh, I got my last thought back. Um, th- I'm assuming so we don't know, and we never talk about how she lost her arm. And she has that, um, help me out, Jeff, what's the word I'm looking for? Prosthetic. Yeah. She has that prosthetic arm that I'm assuming was given to her by a Morton Joe. And that is the thing that she basically uses to kill him. She throws it under the wheel when it was all tangled up and wrapped up in his hoses and the cabling and stuff. Oh, man. That image is so brutal. Part of his nose went with it. Yeah, because he's he's all... I knew it's that... Like a, it's, like a, it's like a Bane mask, I have much. to. I have to ask. Was Aurora watching it then? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> I, think she, I think she uh, cupped she... her hand over her mouth and was just like in awe of the fucking brutality of it. Dude, it's a Mortal Kombat kill. It, it, is, it is. It's a fatality. It's dude. a fatal- fatality. Furioso wins. <laughs> uh, Finish him. Finish him. <laughs> oh, it's man. crazy, man. Yeah, it's uh, so good. Yeah, uh, one uh, of my Furio one of my other favorite amazing. moments, and it, it reminds me of my favorite moment in the first. Um, God, my brain is shutting down. The first. Um, Last of Us game mm-hmm. is when uh, they pull up, the chick is up in the tower naked like she's trapped, and Mad Max just shuts everything down and goes, that's bait. Because <laughs> remember when uh, the people come out begging for help in the first Last of Us, and Joel's like, fasten your seatbelt. And she goes, what? And he goes, fasten your seatbelt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. That's yeah, so good. Perfe- perfection. One of the best movies of the past 15 years. But Easy. Yeah, the uh, that other screenshot that I sent you, we have the end of the movie and the beginning of the movie. Like, look at the difference. Like, not only is the character different, the lighting is different. The sky is less angry. The, the lighting, the image itself is brighter now that he has found some of his humanity again and wants to help. 
people. He's found a purpose. Um, like there is a lot going on in these two images side by side. It, yeah, yeah. It's almost is, it's almost God rays coming out when he decides to be the good guy. It's really well done. Uh, I I like this kind of imagery better than I like the discourse about the mother's milk. Yeah, that that that, that I think goes too far in the direction of uh, art house, which I think is yeah, we, not intended and not necessary. Sometimes the door is red because the door is red. You know. Yeah. Some, it's not, not everything is a symbol for something else. Sometimes it's just there, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think, uh, I think we've kind of touched on everything. Was there any other kind of final thoughts you had on it before we start signing off? No, like you said, there's not a lot to say because there's not a lot of standing still in this movie. It, it does a lot with very little. And I, I don't mean very little as far as technique, like techniques go, filming techniques, stunt work, spectacle, anything like that. I mean, little as in there's no real dialogue to sit down and talk about. You know, there's, it, it's all visual spectacle. There's not a lot to be said. You ha literally have to see it to understand it. And at this point, I can't imagine someone who hasn't seen this movie. But I mean, if you haven't, like, you're not going to understand a goddamn thing we're talking about. You just have to. It's it's a thrill ride. It has to and be yeah. experienced. And I love the fact that it's two hours long. And it feels like and, 10 minutes. And it feels like 10 minutes. That's my ultimate thing I'm looking for. Anytime a movie feels shorter than it actually is, it's accomplishing so much. Because it's it it just is such like a constant just it's the the, the motion of it is beautiful. Uh there's literally never a dull moment to it. There's always some, in if there's not an action scene happening, there is interesting world building happening. Like with the crow people we've talked about multiple times. It's so interesting. Uh, this type of setting nowadays has become a bit of a cliche, but it never feels like a cliche at all. in Mad Max, because it's so singularly weird and ab absurd at times, like with the fucking doof warrior dude. Uh, <laughs> but I love it. I love it so much. Well, yeah, I, I, Every single time I watch this movie, it kid in the like, candy store. I'm I'm grinning like a fucking idiot in the best way possible, and, and it inches its way like further up my all time movie list. Every time I watch it, I just adore it. I so think much. even if you're not a fan of action movies, I don't think it stands up the way Winter Soldier would for someone who's not a fan of like superhero movies, because um, that movie is just a spy thriller with Captain America in it. But I think there is enough. This movie is dynamic enough and stays away from enough cliches. And it's just, like I said, it's a spectacle. I think it would still hold you uh, all the way through the movie beginning to end, even if you're not an action movie person. You can't help there's but be a, captivated There's by so it. much humanity in it. This is a movie about people rediscovering their humanity. I, I it doesn't give... It doesn't give you a moment to be bored or to be distracted either. Like You are just captivated. Yeah. You are on the edge of your seat from frame one to the end uh and it's fucking glorious dude and uh you would be forgiven at any point in time thinking that either mad max or furiosa is going to fucking die because yep. they're not afraid to damage the characters uh, in this movie oh dude when, when mad max has his hand pinned oh by the steering wheel, jesus that's uh, that's hard to watch like you feel that <laughs> you're just like oh and like just the beginning of the movie with him. My name is Max. 
And then at near the end of the movie with her when she's dying, and he's like, Max, my, my name is Max. Just redoing that line as he's desperately trying to think of a way to save her. Because he's gone this whole time without telling her his name. I, I love that bit, too, where she's like, when you hear uh, me yell, fool, yeah. drive the car as fast <laughs> as possible. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good little line they have in there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Per perfection, dude. I, I, uh, I, I associate a lot of the cinematography with the color correction in this, but I also intend to eventually watch the black and white version just to see how it yeah, plays. Yeah, I've never seen it. We'll have to I've do an update. When, when you watch yeah. it, let me know, and we'll talk about it at the first 20 minutes of whatever the next episode is after we watch it. Because you know I'd, I I'd be interested to do an update. You know what I might do is um, when Furiosa is about to come out, I'll do my rewatch in the black and white version before that comes out. Okay, cool. And then I'll I'll, I'll report back because I'm I'm curious because I think a lot of people really dug the black and white version, uh, which it's interesting to think about. Um, to me, just makes for such like a drastically different idea for the the kind of visual language of everything. Yeah, I could see that. I think a lot of it though is in the coloring of this movie. It does the same thing like people, again, I'm going to use it. When we talk about Bloodborne and Dark Souls, those are kind of the two that they have a very gray color palette, but they use it very well. Like those games are sometimes stunning and sometimes gorgeous is the only word to describe them, but they're very gray. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that, a lot of the character of this movie is in the color. So I'd be interesting. I'd be interested in seeing it. I've heard Wolverine is a completely different movie, or not Wolverine. Uh, Logan is a completely different movie in black and white, and that one I've never seen either. And that one I could understand because it's basically a spaghetti western to begin with. Pretty much, yeah. Um, I could totally see that movie being completely recharacterized, um, in black and white. Whereas this one, I think the color is just too important. The night shots with that blue filter and then the color correction during the day. Although it's going to be worth watching just to see the crow people in black and white because that's got to be a fucking killer Oh, image. dude. That's got to be... that that That's some like... Robert... I, we mentioned Del Toro earlier. That's up there with something he would do. That's something Robert Eggers would do. Oh, that's true. Uh, uh, and I am excited to check that out at least. But yeah, I, I'm... I, I have always been on your side of that equation as far as the black and white versions of these movies. That's why I've never gone out of my way to watch them, but I'm curious right. uh, just to kind of see what it's like. And, and I feel like I like, why the fuck not just go ahead and watch it just to see, cause it's still Fury road. You know, this is going to be a different version of it, but yeah. I'm, I'm curious as well. Um, uh, I will do a uh, quick series of plugs for our socials and everything. And then I'll turn it over to Ron to announce our next episode. Uh, so if you would like to follow the show more, we are on Twitter at SPR Filmcast, where we post all of our show updates and everything. Uh, crazy. It's already another year down of SPR, man. Going into 2024, got to eventually have another friends and family month. I was already having Soapy ask me earlier about when the fuck is the next time he can subject us to something. <laughs> oh, no. Well, the last uh, time was good, so I feel like it's going to hurt this time. It's going to be bad. Yeah, he had like... Uh, Memories of Murder, which was a fantastic movie that he picked for us. So you know he's doubling down on the opposite end of the spectrum for the next one. So it's going to be brutal. And you and I talk about so much shit that we hate on this show. 
he's got to be just rubbing his hands together. We provide more fucking ammunition than the bullet farmer, man. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> People have so much shit they can use against I us. I am the, uh, the scales of film justice. <laughs> I love that. That stupid fucking scene so much. It's glorious. I love it. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, if you found us on YouTube, liking and subscribing is always helpful and beneficial to our channel to grow. Uh, ratings or reviews, whichever platform you found us on always helps as well. And uh, share us out to your friends. That's always huge help. Uh, Ron, if you have no <laughs> other talking points for Fury Road, what are we watching next time? Uh, this... I don't... I just don't give a shit anymore selecting this movie. <laughs> um, I... This is a movie that I this is a this is a uh, another redemption arc for me. I'm gonna defend this movie. I don't give a fuck. Following I'll, in the, the 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 themes of Fury Road, right? Redemption. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I like this movie. I think people hate this movie for all the wrong reasons. Okay. It's on Hulu. Okay. It is 1998 Godzilla. Okay, okay. I haven't seen that in probably 25 years since it since came out. Since 1998? So, since it came out, I have not seen it. <laughs> Here's the thing. Everything that everyone loves about a lot of the more current Godzilla stuff, I think what I hear people talking about, I think was done better in this film. I think, and I'm going to make an argument for it in several different cases when we watch it, the reason people hate this movie so much is because it is titled Godzilla. I It has its problems, but I think the main reason that people don't like this movie in the way that they like Pacific Rim or whatever is simply because it is titled Godzilla and not something else. <clears throat> so clear's throat. What, what <laughs> aspect of it, just real quickly, because I'm, I'm curious. Um, what aspect of it makes you defend it so hard? Like, do you just think it's a solid movie all around? I, I think it's uh, a solid like, movie. You just think it's solid. Okay. I remember thinking it was fine. Uh, I was never a Godzilla person, though, growing up. I was. So I watched this back in the day when I was younger, and it was like, that was fine. And I just moved on and never really revisited it because I've just never been a big Godzilla guy. Yeah, I love Godzilla. Uh, I've, I've watched I all say, the Toho stuff and everything. I will say my biggest selling point for it is at least you see Godzilla for the 90 seconds of fucking screen time. Oh yeah. Godzilla's uh, got a lot of time. He's in this. actually in the fucking movie. Unlike the, uh, oh, was it 2014? What was the year? Of the, the, 2016, the first... I think. I thought it was 2014. It, maybe it is. My brain uh, is gone. I've been sick yeah, for a month, Jeff. That's, that's unlucky, dude. <laughs> that's uh, unfortunate. We, we, need, we need to get you a blood bag, man. We gotta find you a universal donor. Right. It was 2014. 2014. What came out in 2016? That's, that was 10 years ago. What the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck? Nothing. Nothing came out in 2016. Nothing at all. What, what am I thinking of? <laughs> uh no? Skull Island was 2017. What the fuck came out? Something, I don't know. Something came out in 2016, surely. Um no, I think, I think, it, I think it's a solid movie. What did? I think Civil War came out in 2016. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. That's exactly of, Jeff. what you're thinking. That's the same thing, right? <laughs> Dude, that time, that time that Captain America fought Godzilla. That yeah, was crazy. That, that's something I would watch, actually. Uh, no, I think this is this movie is 
a uh, I think it's a solid movie. I don't think it's a perfect ten or anything. I don't. I, it's not a perfect movie, but it. I think it gets a lot of the uh, the human stuff correct while keeping in balance with the theme and the kaiju, but it also has some of my favorite aspects from Jurassic Park in it, which happened in 1993, so five years earlier. So, yeah, it, it has a lot of the same themes running through it that Jurassic Park has. That is interesting. I never thought about that, but it does have a vibe that's similar to Jurassic Park to it. Yeah, and it is a profoundly sad movie. So, and like I said, I'll go into detail about all of that uh, all right, when yeah. we cover it. We will, see, we, we will see how the redemption... What was the last redemption thing that you had? You had one like somewhat recently, I remember. Uh, you give me that a minute, was. I can tell you. Uh, to, just, I, I, we've, reached yeah. the, we've reached the saturation point where I can't tell you what we have and have not covered at this point. Yeah. Oh, Predator 2. Predator 2. That was 2 the one that was, you wanted to have yeah. the redemption about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, was a, which is a partial success because I adore the second half of Predator 2. I will never fucking watch the first half of Predator 2 again in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, not only that, like even... You know, the little bit of feedback that we get on this show is from friends that we know in real life. But the even feedback we've been getting back about that is like, no, Predator 2 is a solid movie. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but no, uh, I, I, I think Godzilla is a, is a good fun time. I think it, it, it's I mean, I showed it to my seven year old kids. It's it's fine for kids. It's a good family movie. I mean, Godzilla is for kids. It should be. Right. So I mean. I mean, hell, like the original stuff had almost like a Power Rangers vibe. Yeah. 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 Uh, That's where uh, Super Sentai and everything gets that vibe from is exactly is the original Toho stuff. So, yeah, I, I will be curious to check it out again, because like I said, like, fuck, I, I don't think I've seen that movie in 20 years. Matthew so Broderick, Jean Reno, Jean, Jean Reno, Hank Jean Reno is the one I remember. I, I fucking love Jean Reno. Hank Azaria. Yeah. I like Hank Azaria. No, it's, it's got a good cast to it. It's uh. <laughs> It's um, uh, was it yeah, Roland Emmerich? Does which Matthew Broderick open up the movie with like excavating some worms or something? He for doesn't some open that... the movie, no. But yes, the first time you see him, that's what he's doing. He's the for worm. Reason... He's known throughout the movie as the worm guy. Okay, I was wondering. I was like, why do I have a memory of him like having a baggie of worms or something? As like that, I don't know why that's the scene that my brain so latched on to for twenty five years. He is a former anti-war, anti-nuclear protester that oh, okay. is turned scientist and is studying the radioactive fallout of places like Chernobyl and gotcha. uh, places where nuclear testing has been done. And he talks about like his whole thing is like how it is changing the ecology of the environment, how it is changing the animals that live there, and like how the worms are like thirty percent larger than they're supposed to be, and and things like that. God, gotcha. and because of his work, like when they bring him in, there's a character that's like, I tried to tell them this isn't your field when they brought him in to work on Godzilla. She's like, but of course, you know, they wouldn't listen. But the thing is, it is his fields that brought him in because his work. Like when you're talking gamma radiation, you bring in Bruce Banner, right? They're talking about the radiation radiation effects of animals in places where nuclear testing has been done, and French Polynesia, where the French have been testing nuclear weapons, is where this Godzilla is from. Uh, so that's why they bring him in. The the it, it does match actually what his field is. Gotcha. So yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I I just remember very very vague snippets. And it's got a pretty years. cool push and pull between the military because he's on the scientific team, and when he discovers there's a nest, 
probably that they need to be hunting for. All the scientists people around him are like, if there's a nest, we need to find the fucking nest. And they're like, no, we need to take out the creature. And they're like, no, you don't have time to look for the creature. Look for the goddamn nest because he's gathering the food. The nest is the problem because yeah, he, once that thing is, you know, up and running, you're fucked. Here's the thing. When you watch the movie, the first time you don't notice it. But watching the movie after I say this, you'll notice there are all these lingering shots of fish. He attacks fishing trolleys He uh, all the way to America. It's anywhere there's fish is where he shows up. And he points out this thing is gathering food, which means it has a nest somewhere that's going to hatch soon because it's yep. providing food for the young. Like the top priority should be the nest, and there's this push and pull between the military and and the science people in it, and stuff. So, yeah, it's it's got a lot of good uh, human stuff going on, which a lot of people say is their favorite part of Godzilla, and I think it does it better than most, especially a lot of the recent Godzilla stuff does. I haven't seen Godzilla. What is it? Godzilla minus one? Godzilla plus one? I think it's minus one. Minus I haven't one? seen that yet either. I haven't seen that yet. I've heard that that is fucking incredible. For the monster stuff and the human stuff. I haven't seen that yet. I can't speak to that. But everything that, that I've one, heard is that it's really good. Is that one subtitled? Is that one I from, believe like, so. from Japan? That's yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I don't think it's dubbed. I think it's subtitled. Yeah, I think I think it is too. Yeah, I was curious about that one. Because I heard a lot of people they got a lot of buzz on Twitter uh when it came out. Every podcast I listen to has been talking about it, even non movie podcasts I listen to are talking about yeah. it. So Anyway, we got to get out of here. Uh, watch Godzilla yep. on Hulu and then uh, listen to me rant about it because I, I rant about people that have watched it because I think people are looking at the movie all wrong. I think they're just mad that it's not Toho or mad that it's not a guy in a rubber suit is what I think they're mainly mad at. Yeah, I will have to actually look up some of the reviews uh, yes. on it too because I will be curious to see what the kind of point of no return for like the reviews of it because from what i remember about it which is you know i don't remember it very very specifically but what really was i was the... live texting you like a week ago <laughs> I, just, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really understand what the kind of preferred outcome would have been that you just didn't get in the movie yeah we'll have to, we'll rewatch it and then like i said if, i if you are watched again if you are in the boat that hated it and you plan to listen to the episode, I encourage you to rewatch it, but don't think of it as Godzilla. Just think of it as a kaiju movie. I think they say Godzilla like three times in the movie. Uh, they don't even really call it that. Um, Doesn't he have like a different design too? Yes, that's the Does main it? reason everybody hates the movie. That yeah, is, which, I mean, that, that is that, number one reason people hate this movie. I can kind of get that. Uh, if. You know, if you have a very, very specific connection with the the creature design, you know, it's it's like with me with like watching John Carpenter's The Thing versus the prequel movie they made where it was all fully CGI, where I have like a personal connection to the way the original one looked and watching them just butcher the effects and everything, which was such like a vital part of the original movie really fucking made me furious about it. So I kind of get that aspect of it as far as like just being that much of a fan, but also it's like, I, I don't know. I I can't look at it in that same mindset because I'm not a Godzilla guy, you know? It's it's perfectly fine and passable as just a kaiju movie. Don't even think of it as Godzilla if you don't like it because it's not your hashtag your Godzilla. Um, but it's a different Godzilla to begin with. 
yeah it fits more in the vein of the the star trek reboot where it exists simultaneously and, right. and we'll talk about that also well yeah we'll talk about it uh yeah uh thanks everyone uh for tuning in for another year of Screamy rewind it's been a really fun year 2023 for uh just the, if you look through our catalog of the last uh few months especially i i like the variety we have on the show as far as really really covering uh just drastically different genres dra- i mean especially when we have friends and family month come around and god knows what's gonna be happening Dude, next year when we do that again here's so, a perfect example it's a fun about. time we went from the north man to gone in 60 seconds to inglorious bastards to my cousin Vinny, and that was 63 <laughs> through 66 <laughs> like it's, it's awesome <laughs> yeah never a dull moment when you're waiting to hear what we've selected for the next show so yeah uh it's been a lot of fun bobby if you're listening this far i already know my next movie because of a conversation we had when you were at my house the other day (laughs) so yeah oh man it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun thanks everyone (laughs) for listening we really appreciate everyone that tunes in and uh yeah have a great night Uh, have a safe uh new year i think we're actually dropping this like on new year's the day right before new year's eve yeah yeah please have a safe holiday uh drive safe and yeah we'll catch you the next episode have a good night good movie is good dude